So I'm going to say welcome back to the Yes Longevity Podcast again. Looks like we're having some technical difficulties right now, so we're just going to check to make sure that this is actually working. We got some real good information for you today on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. I got a little bit of housekeeping for you. Um, I was starting off with our um, metabolism makeover. Just finished up. We had anywhere's from. 3.3 pounds all the way up to 9.5 pounds of fat loss in a four-week period, which is tremendous. That's a tremendous amount of fat to be lost in four weeks, especially this time of year. And we had body cop changes all the way from 1% up to 4.7%, so that's a change in fat to muscle. I will not discuss how much weight is lost because weight is just a measure of gravity. What we're looking for is a loss in fat and a gain in muscle. That's a key to a nice transformation program. So excellent job by everybody who took part in that. Uh, many of those people are going to continue those, those new habits that they developed in through this holiday season because we know how crazy this season can be and how much fat we can gain in such a short period of time. I hope everyone has taken some time, put it in their schedule to help um, relax at some point in time, take some time for yourself, make sure you get your exercise in, because uh, it's only going to help you down the road and help you get through this holiday season, feeling better, moving better, and enjoying it more. So I want to thank you for taking some time on this cold um, Tuesday afternoon here in Burlington, Connecticut. We had, uh, I don't know how much snow we got here, past two days looks like about a foot of snow maybe so hopefully everyone was able to get through this little uh first burst of snow injury free no one got hurt because i know that yesterday's snow was extremely heavy with the rain and although today's snow was a little bit lighter it was still quite a bit of volume so maybe it's going to warm up a little bit in the next few days and melt off some so the other housekeeping we have is that we will be um, running another Fit42. It'll be starting the end of January, so you can look for information for that uh, coming out soon in our emails. It'll be on this uh, podcast, and uh, it'll be um, featured in a Facebook post. So look for a Fit42. If anyone's unfamiliar with Fit42, Fit42 is a life-changing program. It's not just about fat loss. It is about transforming your lives helping you make changes, changes that are sustainable for the long term. It is a very intense program and very successful run nationwide. So we'll be running that. Look for that in January. And I would just like to review for those people who may not know or may not realize our bad weather policies. Just again, if it does snow, we do not follow the school schedule. If the state says close down, we will close down. Uh, we have tried being on television. That is a real pain in the butt. They take you off TV. You don't even know it when it happens, so the message doesn't get out there. You've got to be on multiple stations. It's a tremendous amount of work that is very unreliable. We would post it on Facebook, except not everyone is on Facebook. We would send out a text, but not everyone is subscribed to our text. And an email just takes a little bit too long to get out there. Sometimes that decision needs to be made uh, very quickly. So the best way to know whether we are open or not is to call the studio, 860-673-4293. The message machine will tell you whether we are open or not. That is, even if we have lost power, you will get a message to let you know whether we are open or not. So that is the best way to find out whether we're open during a storm uh, of any capacity. So. Just give us a call. You'll find out there. 
And I think that is about it for um, some housekeeping. We may make an adjustment to our group exercise schedule around Christmas and the New Year. So keep your eye out for that. Uh, Wednesday's a very busy day here. And Christmas and New Year's Day both land on Wednesday. And we are closed on those days. So we may try to make up some sessions, do some special stuff on the uh, 31st and December 24th. So look for that. Uh, in the studio, the coaches will be talking to you about that. So what I'd like to talk to you about today is um, headlines that you see in the news, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, newspapers, if there are still newspapers out there, magazine articles, um, and how to take a look at that stuff and how to understand it a little bit better. So I want to not necessarily debate whether something is right or wrong. I just want to give you a different perspective on how to look at things. So there's a new documentary out there right now. It's, it's called The Game Changers. It discusses meat. And it makes a case that going vegan can improve uh, athletic performance and that it's a superior diet for humans' health. And on the other side of the coin, it states that meat, fish, fowl, eggs, dairy, foods, that not only can hamper your physical fitness, but they could promote um, health problems like erectile dysfunction. It could lead to heart disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, and things like that. So, And it also will state that meat is destroying our environment. So there's always a lot of debate over this particular topic. It doesn't ever seem to go away. Unlike science, it is generally joins the truth. Uh, science generally joins the truth. Um I don't think the nutrition can be really capable of this type of merge, and I'm going to talk to you about that why. So, again, I'm not here today to necessarily debate the effects of meat on our health and on our environment, but I rather would like to give you a different perspective to think about when you're watching a film like this film, um, The Game Changer, and when you might see a particular study or a headline in the media. Because there are a lot of things that are wrong with this particular film. And I find that this particular topic, nutrition, to be based more on basic assumptions and about reality, it's really based more on assumptions about reality that may or not be factual rather that rather than like the facts of actual science. And in this particular film, it is especially bad to present it as if it is or looks like it is actual science, and it's not. So the first thing we're going to take a look at is, nutrition is very difficult to take a look at, and this is some reasons why. The first thing about this particular film is that the subjects are switching from the standard American diet. And the standard American diet basically has no caloric restrictions. We eat as much as you like. Um, it has no dietary restrictions. So we eat basically whatever foods we want to eat, and there's no retrying to restrictions. We eat whenever we'd like to eat. So we're taking someone that follows the American standard diet with all these non-restrictions, so no restriction on calories, no restriction on the foods, no restriction on the time, and we're comparing that. And just about any diet that you would take a look at would show some health improvements against the standard American diet. That includes 
vegan and vegetarian diets. It includes keto diets. It would include the Mediterranean diet. It would include just about any diet. So that's a that's one thing that's wrong with this particular documentary is it's comparing a diet to the standard American diet and just about any diet is going to show some kind of improvement against that our standard American diet. Um, but this particular observation doesn't tell you anything about how healthy the plant-based diet is compared to one that is meat-based. It doesn't do any of that. Another thing to realize is that vegans and vegetarians are probably some of the most health-conscious people on this planet. What does this mean? This means that when you compare these people to the general U.S. population, avoiding meat is but one of the many differences between them. Observing differences in health outcomes is really easy because they have so many other changes. It's not just not eating meat. Determining the cause of these of those differences is virtually impossible because there's so many different things that a vegan or a vegetarian does than a, what a person who follows the standard American diet. So <clears throat> here's the problem. The problem of using a standard American made diet as a control group. What happens is either the volumes of the observational epidemiological studies that is cranked out every day, constantly, commonly, whether it's film, whether it's um, blog post or whatever the whatever the, the the medium is that it comes out is is that the vegan or vegetarian diet is compared to the standard diet and the standard diet as it stands for just basically a meat-based diet as the only difference between these two diets the only difference between between the vegan or vegetarian diet and the standard American diet is not just meat-based there's a lot of differences so you tell me that even if you think that meat is a problem and that meat is the only problem, here's a list of foods that are typically on the American standard diet that I would think that probably is not really very good. So you've got, you know, grain-based uh, desserts like cakes, cookies, donuts, pies, granola bars. You've got bread that's made with yeast. We've got chicken and chicken mixed dishes. You've got soda, energy drinks, sports drinks, pizza, alcoholic beverages, pastas, Mexican dishes, beef and beef dishes, and dietary dishes. So these are all standard foods. Just these are typical foods that Americans eat. So is it hard to see that from that list why Americans are so overweight and so sick? So, what happens in this film is Brian Jennings, he's an American heavyweight boxer. He stopped eating meat in 2013, and he went to become a vegan in 2015. He talks about what his wife was like, like when he grew up. So when he grew up, you know, he didn't know about half the different kind of vegetables that there are. Like asparagus, he thought, came out like five years ago. He knew nothing about vegetables. In his early years in Philadelphia, the only thing that he knew was that spinach came from a can, and they constantly ate food. Their 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 protein intake was from Popeyes and K, KFC. Everything was fried food. So at some point in time, he realized that he didn't actually really know what he was eating. 
He never really thought about it before. And he, he didn't know what else was in the foods that he was eating. So in 2013, he decided he made a change. He needed to make this change for dietary reasons. I mean, for, for health reasons. He wanted to make sure he, he was a little bit healthier. He thought eating cleaner, eating better foods was much better for himself. So he changed over and he ate a lot of foods like he had uh, peanut butter and jelly, oatmeal, quinoa, avocados. He ate, put a lot of fruit and vegetables into his diet. He started to make his own burgers from scratch, had chickpeas and black beans and lentils, flax seed and chia seeds, all these whole foods. So in other words, what Jennings did was he went from a fast food standard American diet to a whole foods diet. You're absolutely going to make changes in your health if you do that. So typically when people make a switch from the standard American diet to a vegetarian or vegan diet, it doesn't mean, in the case of vegetarians, limiting just chicken and beef. And in the case of vegans, it doesn't mean that they've eliminated pizza and dairy products as well. And then they start adding in sugar-sweetened beverages, or they you know, start to eat grain-based desserts, or they eat bread. Before they switched their diets, they weren't paying attention to what they were doing, and now they are. People who make a conscientious decision to go from the standard American diet to a vegan or vegetarian diet, they not only go from a standard American diet to a plant-based standard American diet, they change all kinds of things, the diet and other changes and all their, often other aspects of their lifestyle are impacted by other changes. It's not just their diet that changes, and it's not just eating meat is not the only thing that they change. They eat more vegetables. They eat more fruits. They eat more lagoons. They eat more whole grains, nuts, and seeds. They eat less refined carbohydrates and sugars and saturated fats. They start to exercise more. They will put more emphasis on stress management as well as some social support. All things that we know that help improve your health. During the transition, they may quit smoking. They may reduce the consumption of alcohol. They may focus on getting more adequate sleep. So these are all different things that they change. They don't just change by just stop eating meat. So to compare the vegan diet to the standard American diet, it's not just about eating meat. So we could debate the evidence for, for and against each of these interventions. The point is that there are many changes taking place in addition to cutting out animal products that are consistent with what many people believe to be healthy living. So now we take a look at the other end of the spectrum. We have the standard American diet. Not only does it represent the foods list before, but it also tracks more closely with many behaviors that are not consistent with healthy living, like they're likely to exercise less, they're likely to smoke, they're likely to get less sleep, they're likely to have more stress. So what was the change or what were the changes that improved the, healthy, the health of the people transitioning away from the standard American diet? The problem is that when we have so many variables that can, can and can do and change, often simultaneously, they leave the standard American diet. They can't tell which one it is. It's an experiment. It's a scientific, it's an epidemiologist nightmare because they can't tell actually was it just meat 
stop eating meat, improve their health. So that's one problem with this film. That's one problem with a lot of these type of nutrition studies. There's so many factors to change. So in the uh, Game Changers, there are several studies and articles that kind of flash up onto the screen, compromising the overwhelming scientific evidence connecting animal foods to too many of the most commonly deadly diseases. All of these were observational epidemiologic studies or meta-analysis of observational studies. And these things carry the limitations, just like I talked about. Why are people reportedly healthier on a vegetarian diet compared to non-vegetarian diets? Is, is it exclusively because these people eat fewer animals? Imagine a representative survey of adults in the United States collecting health habits of these individuals that included the following items for the people of the vegan diet. Would they, would they say that they follow the diet to reduce the impact of food on the environment? Yeah, they probably would. To eat healthier diet for their personal health, they probably would. To reduce the suffering of animals, they probably would. They probably would click off all those things. I would bet the portion that would not click off for health would be very, very small. They probably all would click off for health. So in other words, they're conscientious about their health and they're engaging in a challenging and ch challenging behavior, avoiding the consumption of animals. And they think it will improve their health. Think about how healthy conscious individuals would compare to a survey to individuals in the United States who eat the standard American diet. A survey that gathers information on physical activity, access to healthcare, cigarette smoking, vegetable consumption, fruit consumption, shift work, community ties. Think about how, think about how anybody following any particular diet that they think is healthy, whether it's the Atkins, Weight Watchers, Keto, Mediterranean, Paleo, and compare it to people eating the standard American diet. Typically, those people on these diets are changing more factors than just eating meat. People who are health conscious are different from people who are not in many different ways. This is called the social healthy user effect, okay? It would be hard pressed to think of a situation where there's more potential for a healthy user bias than comparing a group of people who adhere to a particular diet for health and comparing them to people who unconsciously just eat the standard American diet. When we observe people who consciously adhere to a particular diet, we also see accepted health behaviors increasing and unhealthy behaviors decreasing. It just happens. We see it all the time. So, so those changes, it's not just the diet in these people that is healthier. It shows up again and again in observational studies. More than just the diet, more than just not eating meat, changes in their diet. So in the film, there's a study on the screen that was a study of the diet of the Seventh-day Adventists. 
And this is a group of people live in California that have a tendency to live longer. And they have a lower risk for colon cancer. So a large portion, about 30% based on the reported people, persons in the study, of the seven-day Adventists adhere to a church-recommended vegetarian diet. So about 30% adhere to the diet. According to the self-reported questionnaire, the vegetarians not only eliminated meat from their diet, less than 1% of them currently smoke cigarettes, compared to 7% of people, the non-vegetarians who do smoke. 12% of them had never smoked in their lifetime, compared to 28% of the non-vegetarians. And less than 1% of them drank alcohol, compared to 9% of the non-vegetarians drank alcohol. And they were more physically fit than the Seventh-day Adventists that ate meat one or more times a week. So we can see that the people who followed the vegetarian diet also had other factors in their life that would help to lower their risk for colon cancer. It wasn't just the fact that they did a vegetarian diet. They lived a healthier lifestyle, what we think to be a healthier lifestyle. So it's very difficult to really determine what is the reason for their lower risk for colon cancer. It's not just because they're vegetarians. So in this particular study, the investigators tried to adjust for the differences. But the problem is that it's not only hard to do, but there are so many other ways that these groups are different that were not considered. So after a seven-year follow-up, they found statistically significant positive associations with meat intake and the incident of colon cancer with a risk ratio of 1.85. So, the six years, that meat intake, 1.85. So, remember, we should always ask ourselves, what are the associated absolute risks? In this case, we calculated, it wasn't reported in the study, the associated unadjusted six-year risk of colon cancer to be approximately 0.38% and 0.54% for vegetarians and non-vegetarians, respectively. Only 0.38% or 0.5%. Whether this associated 1.6%, pardon me, whether this associated, not 1.6, but 0.16 difference. So the difference between 0.38 and 0.54 is 0.16% difference over six years is it really attributed to the cons consumption or avoidance of eating meat? It's very debatable. What's less highly debatable is how small the absolute terms are. It's less than 1%. It's 0.16% difference. So really, the sooner we can move away from these observational epidemiological studies like this, to determine our beliefs, the better. Yes, observational, epidemiological help determine that cigarette smoking is a cause of lung cancer, for example. Some of them are good. I can assure you that those studies were not reported in associated risk ratios less than two 
and an absolute risk increase of less than two tenths of a percent. Perhaps more important from all of which we should study associations before we cry causation is the strength of the association. What is the strength of that association? With such small associations between the consumption of meat and chronic disease, combined with the high probability of confounding that should strengthen the association, we may be looking at what's called a contrapositive case. If observational epidemiologic study after study shows small association, no association, or a negative association, it's possible to read through the same observational studies most investigators and journalists use to implicate the consumption of red meat and increased risk for colon cancer, for example, okay? And to conclude that since the observational associations are very, very small, the risk of consuming very high, the associated absolute differences are minuscule and these studies cannot establish cause and effect. That it's more likely the meat does not cause colon cancer. In other words, a lack of association in evidence is a lack of causation. So my problem with this film is with the mode of inquiry. It's not about the diet. Not, not, you know, I'm not against plant-based diets. I'm not against vegans. I'm not against vegetarians. I'm against the misleading use of subpar data and speaking with absolute certainty. This is not. The fact is that virtually any diet is better than a standard American diet with a health perspective. I'm sure we'd see an associated improvement with most any diet if people consistently, conscientiously switched from a diet that is different from the standard American diet. The bigger problem is the health user effect. There are many variables that can and do change that could explain the small association in these studies between meat and vegetable consumption and disease that have nothing to do with meat or, or vegetables that make it virtually impossible to establish cause and effect. This is often the difficulty of observational studies with respect to nutrition. Just, there are too many factors to control. In a scientific study, there's a control group, and then there's a, another group in which only one factor is different between the groups. This way, if there's a change, there's an actual cause. You can see the change is due to this one, one difference between the control group. So I'm not saying go out, eat meat at every meal. I'm not saying to stop consuming meat altogether. You know, there's some very interesting research being done, being conducted by uh, David Sinclair. He's a... Uh, geneticist, and he's taking a look at how high amino acids in meat and, you know, high levels of amino acids activate the mTOR pathway, and the mTOR pathway is to believe to affect longevity. That's another story in another time. All I'm trying to say is when you take a look at these, these headlines, these movies or documentaries we see, what we might see blasted out on social media or in the news, Really, let's take a look at what, how the study was performed. Because if it was a nutritional study, it's very difficult, very difficult 
to control all the different factors. And as we can see, that when someone does switch to a diet, they change other aspects of their life, other aspects of their life that we believe to be healthier that will cause a health, a better health perspective. So that's what I want you to think about as you look at these things because you just blast it out there industry all the time. I mean, the meat thing's been out there for two decades at least now. <coughs> Excuse me. So just a little a way for you to take a look at how you read and look at these um, this information that comes out to us because it's coming out to us in all directions all the time. So that's all I got for you today. Thanks for taking some time to listen to me today. I hope uh, it was informational for you. If there's ever a topic that you want me to talk about, certainly get a hold of us. Email me, text me, Facebook message me, stop in and say hello. I'd be more than happy to address any topic that you might want me to address um, over time. So that's it for today. We'll be back again next Tuesday for more insight on how to get fit, feel younger, and live better. Hope you have a great evening, and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks. <laughs>